0: Everyone and welcome to this episode of the Maternal Health Report podcast. If you guys are loving this podcast, if you're loving the episodes here, please go ahead and tag me at Maternal Health Speaker on Instagram. Just tag me in your stories share a screenshot of the episode that you loved i would love to hear from you and love to hear some feedback on the stories that are being shared here because they are really powerful so once again this is the maternal health report podcast black mothers real voices real stories my name is jessica echo by speaks digital i am your host of this podcast archive today's episode is all about the back After C section. So, our guest today is Keisha Jackson. And, Keisha, if I'm not saying your name correctly, girl, come and get me on Instagram, DM me on Instagram. Um, But I hope I am saying it correctly and pronouncing it correctly. In this episode, Miss Jackson goes through her journey with VBAC, and she went out and actually seeked out the type of birth that she wanted. So she was a huge advocate advocate in her own birth, and now acts as an advocate for others via social media. And she is just an amazing, amazing mama to have on the podcast. So I'm super excited for you all to hear her story. So without further ado, let's get into it. Keisha Jackson, VBAC After C-Section.
1: I've struggled with depression and anxiety for probably the better part of my life. My parents were very, I don't say they were like against the doctor, but like they're kind of of that like older mindset that like, you know, we don't want you guys to be stigmatized. So like I, I probably struggle with a little bit of like ADD and stuff like that too, but like they never really like got it addressed just because they're like, we don't want you to be labeled. We don't want you to have to take medicine. Oh, medicine's the end. I had been, you know, pretty okay. Like functioning. It's functioning at this point. But then when, you know, the world shut down COVID, we're stuck in the house, you know, everything like kind of came to a head. I, I struggled a lot right before actually, like February of last year, I was having like a lot of postpartum anxiety like crying as I was like driving to work and like panicking, had no idea why. I talked to my doctor and she kind of like brush it off.
0: Um oh,
1: she's like, well, you know, you could do this, I get on this medicine if you wanted. I'm like, well, what do you think I should do? And she's like, well, I don't really know. I'm like, you're the doctor. What do you mean you don't know? So I ended up not doing that. Then after our youngest was born at the end of June. Um, my husband actually was able to start working again, which was awesome. But on the other side of that, I was thrust into, you know, motherhood of three, newborn. Our second youngest is two now. She turned two at the beginning of June. And then I had him at the end of June. So I have a newborn, a toddler, and then bless our eight-year-old. He is the biggest help in the world. But like, it, it, it was just like so much overwhelm. and. I didn't want to, you know, burden my husband with it. Cause you know, he's on his business journey, you know, he's working to, you know, make money for us. So I'm like thinking about it. I wasn't like trying to like not bother anyone, but that's just as women that, you know, that's what we do. We just grin and bear it. So um, actually we took my younger brother in who struggles a lot with depression and anxiety as well. He, he, transitioned out of our house and moved down uh my mom lives in Florida so he was moving down with her um but he stayed with us for a little while and that just kind of, it wasn't that it was like a bother but like it was just a lot like y- you know another you person lot, to take care of yeah a lot yeah. going on so um actually the day before he left I kind of like exploded just like lost control really like I, I was supposed to do like a project and like I tried to do some stuff with my cricket machine and you know crafting business and all that stuff Um, and I actually waited to do it that I was making a doormat and I was like I don't know I just procrastinated didn't do it then I just you know freaked out had a meltdown the next day then you know we take him to the airport send him off I was fine I'm like okay I actually talked to my doctor who Bless them. This is not the first doctor I went to. I, I actually ch- switched doctors at thirty weeks um while I was pregnant with with our youngest. and um, they're they're very good, but they're a very small practice. so they're they're busy. The doctor specializes in um, endometriosis remediation surgeries. So like that's like his specialty, but he also does Vbacs. So he's like the like goat for VBACs. so, I'm like, listen, I really, I really don't want to have to have a C-section again. So I transferred to him anyway. So they're busy. I like reached out to them the day that I like had the meltdown. They didn't get back to me till the next morning, like literally till after I was leaving the airport, like dropping my brother up. you know, went through that day was fine. Everything was good. That was, I believe a Thursday. And then the next day was a Friday, had another one of those crazy meltdowns. That day, I actually, I, I just called my husband. We had gotten into a fight about, you know, nothing really. But, you know, when you're in that point, it blows up and it's everything. So um, he left and like had gone to the gas station or something. And I called him and I was like, I think you need to take me to the hospital. Like, I, I don't feel safe in myself. I don't think I'm going to hurt anyone. But like, I feel like I don't know what I could do. So at that point, he took me to the hospital, and then I stayed in the hospital for a weekend, and that was the craziest experience I've ever had in my life. I, I guess not crazy, because it was actually a really, really good experience. I know most people who have to stay in, like, a psychiatric ward in the hospital don't say that, but, like, it was a really good experience. Since then, I have you know, started with therapy, started on some medicine, kind of gotten my medicine straightened out a couple times, which is great. The first one they put me on worked, so I didn't have to work with any of that, like switching around, trying new things stuff. Yeah, so I'm just kind of on my my journey still and just learning how to manage it at this point.
0: Black women are disproportionately impacted by maternal mental health. In fact, studies show that among Black women, approximately one in four will experience postpartum depression after childbirth. What are you doing right now to manage it? What are some things that you're finding It's helping you right now with it?
1: Trying, not always succeeding, but trying, you know, self-care, just getting out of the house and taking a breather. you know, like I need to be being, being an advocate for myself because obviously no one else is going to advocate for me the way I need to. Everybody thinks this is hilarious, but I love to grocery shop. When I'm like in these moods, like I don't want to go grocery shopping, but like if I can like bust out and I'm like, all right, I'm out of here, I'm going to the grocery store. I'll be back in two hours or I'm going to target. I'll be back in two hours. I just trying to get out and not, Oh no, just get out to where I'm like taking my mind off of if I'm like, okay, I'm going to go lay down and just relax and take a nap. I'm probably going to lay in there and, you know, tap on my phone for two hours and Oh my gosh, I got to do the dishes. I got to do laundry. Like that's not relaxing. (laughs) So Just trying to just really like create mental space for myself. I need to do better at like making friends, but you know, it's COVID. So (laughs) it's like, I would go take my kids to a play date, but like you can't. So yeah, just really like really taking time for myself, really doing a lot of personal development, trying to figure out like, where the things that like cause me anxiety, like really stem from. So I can, you know, like avoid those things or just learn how to deal with them a little better. Cause I like, I'm a procrastinator. Like, and I used to think it was like the, like back in like school and stuff, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I just procrastinated. But like, as an adult that manifests in like the worst ways, you're like, why did no one tell me this? Like, I mean, I guess my parents did tell me that wasn't good, but like, why didn't you change this? Just, just really trying to figure out the triggers and getting myself, you know, that release that I need.
0: Good, good. I I love that. And I think that that's a big key. A big key of it is that we understand that it never goes away. (laughs) There's ways that you manage it better and you figure out what triggers you, what happens, you know, and then how you can respond to that thing either better or stay away from it (laughs) you know? So talk to me a little bit about your birthing experience. Did you have a great experience? You said, you said you had a C-section the first time, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first two times I had C-sections, they were very different experiences. Third time I actually did get my VBAC, which was VBA2C, which is like crazy in the birth world. But like I had my first son when I was 19. Like I've always been like willing to educate myself, if that makes any sense. Like even back then I can remember, I don't even know. I, my mom had a, uh, what to expect when you're expecting book. I don't even know why. Cause my youngest brother is like five years younger than me. So he was like, I don't know, 13 or 14 when I was pregnant. I don't know where this book came from, but I was like reading the book while I was pregnant as, as an 18 year old, you know, I was pretty informed, but like, you know, you get in those situations, the doctors are like, okay, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to jeopardize my baby. So, you know, I let them induce me. I was in labor for 24 hours. They broke my water after about an hour of me being there for the induction, started me on the Pitocin cascade of interventions type thing. Oh gosh. (laughs) I didn't want to have any medicine. Like I didn't want to get an epidural. I just was like super against it. And, uh, a lady came in the room a doctor and it, it like threw me off because like most of the doctors I had experienced were like old white men she was this younger black woman so I'm like you know I'm, I'm feeling like you know we can relate whatever she's like yelling at me because I won't get this ever she's like what are you trying to prove like what are you trying to prove with this and I'm like I just don't want the medicine So uh, that ended in like me, like having a meltdown and crying and like, okay, just bring the epidural, like whatever. So like, that was like probably 8 PM overnight. My son's heart rate kept dropping. His oxygen levels kept dropping. It was crazy. They had me on all kinds of crazy positions. And by morning, my cervix had actually swollen or that's what they told me. I don't know. Cause you know, <laughs> you can't really believe them sometimes, but by morning I wasn't progressing and they were like, you've been in labor for too long. Your water's been broken. I actually got a, a got a fever. Uh, so they thought it was an infection um, related to my water being broken. He had passed some meconium and so just like all the, all the things Um, I ended up next morning getting a C-section. The doctor was great. He's actually um, in our area, like one of the top OBGYNs, like period. I just kind of had like, was resolved to like, okay, this is my life. Cause you know, at, like back in the day, people are like, you know, once a C-section, always a C-section. My mom had three of us and she had three C-sections. So I'm like, all right, I'm doomed. Like I was faced with a lot of like, I guess insecurity after that, cause my body was different and I was 19 and I was getting ready to go to college. And my son's dad was I mean like he was there but he's not the greatest so like he was just like not nice to me about it so I was just like in this place where I'm like becoming an adult and who I was my whole identity as like a teenager was just like shattered now you're a mom but you're also going to college and you also have to get a job because you have a baby like so that was uh a shocker for me but I was single for six years after that um my son was five six five going on six I forget um and I actually met my husband well not met we went to high school together and then lost contact and then got back in contact he's actually three years older than me so when I was a freshman he was a senior so we didn't really like know each other we got back in touch and I actually got pregnant really fast like moved in together you know everything's great I mean, everything's still great. That sounded like it was going to go bad, but <laughs> no, you're fine. Keep going. You're oh my fine. Gosh. Anyway, I went back to the same doc. Well, it's like one of those doctors that like is like affiliated with the hospital and they kind of like see all the different like residents and, you know, all that stuff. It was a different doctor. He was great. He was a younger black guy. And I was like, okay, you know, we're cool. I felt like that They're, they like pushed me into a C-section the second time I told them I wanted to do a V-back. They were like, well, you had a big baby last time and this and that. And I'm like, okay, but nothing. I mean, he wasn't that big. He only weighed eight pounds, but like, you know, all these things, you know, you didn't progress the first time, blah, 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 blah. So at the time when I was getting ready to deliver, my husband was traveling for work. He was working for a different company and he was traveling to like Texas, Arizona, like way far. So we were kind of like trying, I'm like, okay, you're going to be home this time. I have to go into labor. Like, okay, well, we can't induce you because you've had a C-section already. And I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do? I think I got to like 28 weeks. And they were like, well, we just like to schedule the C-section at 28 weeks. And then if you don't go into labor by then, you'll just have the C-section. And so I guess it got to a point in my pregnancy where I was like, being scared that you know my husband wasn't gonna make it back in time for our baby to be born so I just went ahead with the c-section that one was I mean like fine nothing went wrong or anything like that but like I what I do feel like I was like pushed into like oh you want to do a v-back that's not a good idea like you're not gonna it's not gonna happen the third but it time sounds like they
0: really didn't listen to what your wishes were
1: Not at all. And it wasn't even framed in a way that like, okay, well, here are the risks here, blah, blah, blah. It was like, okay, that's not really a good idea. Sign these papers because we're not going to be liable if your, you know, your baby dies because you tried this and we said this. And at every appointment, I'm just like, okay, well, can we talk about, well, yeah, I mean, you know, just changing the subject and, oh, C-section, C-section, C-section. And then finally at my last appointment, I'm like, are you going to like, do you want to do like a cervical check or anything like that? He's like, no, we're fine. And I'm like, so you're just writing me off as a C-section at 35, 36 weeks. Like, so I ended up having her at 38 weeks, which I I was a little, I, I kind of look back, like, I wish I would have, you know, changed some things because she was like super, I mean, she wasn't super tiny, but like my oldest son was eight pounds. She only weighed seven, four. So I'm like, I bet she had some growing to do in there. Like, you know, dates might've have not have been right, but I mean, overall, like they were great. The doctor was great. They, he played Jay-Z while they did my C-section. So I'm like, my husband like regards that as like the best birth experience.
0: That was so cool. But he played Jay-Z while you were, yeah, wow, That was, amazing. that
1: was, that was definitely a bright spot in that, like, well, I guess at that point I was just like, you know, get this baby out of me, exactly. I don't care right now. <laughs> I don't really care if I'm getting cut or what's going on. Just get her out. But then when I got pregnant with our youngest son, I just knew, like, I was like, I'm, first of all, I'm not doing that. And they they told me, like, at the hospital that I delivered at the first two times, after two C-sections, they will not even allow you to try for a vaginal. I actually started my pregnancy at that doctor at, you know, playing. I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to, you know, I'll just have a C-section, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But then I I think it was like COVID that I, I just started like researching and researching because I believe it was shortly after. Yeah. It wasn't until April that I switched and I delivered at the end of June. I had a, like a whole good month to like sit on it. And I'm like, you know what? No we're not doing this. I'm not having another, I'm not recovering from major surgery again with my daughter. My recovery was a little rough because he was like two days after I delivered, he had to go back on the road. My husband did. So I was like taking care of the newborn and the six-year-old at that point and like up and down stairs and just not really getting the rest that I needed. So like my incision took a long time to heal and I was moving a little slower. I was much older at this point than, you know, 19 when your body heals so quickly. I started doing research. I like, I just posted in a Facebook group, like, can someone please help me? Like in this area, I don't know. I want to go reach out to like private midwives or like birth centers anywhere. All the birth centers in our area don't take Prior C-section patients, they're too high of a risk. So I was just kind of like, I hit a wall. Um, one of my friends actually was like, Hey, I'm in this natural birthing group. Let me, you know, put some feelers out. I'll let you know if I get anything back. She actually gave me a couple different names and the uh, doctor that I ended up going with, he's a black guy. I think he's like Afro-Latino, but he was very highly regarded and Actually, when I was at the hospital after I delivered, because my son had a nine day NICU stay due to his blood sugar, not regulating, (laughs) that was the whole thing. But I learned that this doctor is like all the nurses, doctor, he he delivered all their babies. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm doing something right. When everybody at this hospital, that's his doctor. I actually found out my boss at work, that's her doctor too. I'm like, this guy is like famous, (laughs) but, um. He's very good with like, hey, I'm going to present you the facts and then I'll let you make the decision. He's like, you're, you know, your, all your medical history looks great. Um, If you want to try for a VBAC, there's nothing that would make me think you're like high risk or, you know, you there would be any problems. So absolutely. If you'd like to try, go ahead. Actually, he told me we don't even have to decide. We can cross that bridge when we come to it. That's what he did. Do- and I was like, wow, like this is a doctor that really is like here for me and is listening to me. I was sold at that point. I was like, I don't care if I change insurance. If I have to pay out of pocket for this man, I'm never seeing anyone else. As long as I live in this area, crazy thing. I'm, I was like, okay, I know that like, I probably am going to have to get induced. Cause like, that's how my body works. Um, I went to my 30, I think I was 38 week appointment and, um, I had gestational diabetes so they were like, let's just check your cervix and make sure you're not dilating. Like, as long as that's okay with you. I was like, yeah, we can see if, you know, this show's getting in the road. And he was like, you know, we kind of like to induce gestational diabetes patients. Totally up to you. I was like, know, that'd be fine. So I think I went in on a Wednesday for that appointment. We scheduled the induction for the Sunday following. I actually ended up going into labor that Friday night. Never had spontaneous labor in either of my other two pregnancies. So that was crazy. Labored for like 13 hours, pushed like five times and uh, he was out. (laughs) So it was, that was an amazing birth experience. That was kind of my like redemption from all the things we, it it got kind of hairy at the end because his heart rate was dipping and he was like, listen, we're going to keep an eye on it. We're not going to freak out. C-section is the last of my options. I don't even want you to don't even think about it. Went all the way up until then. He's like, listen, if you don't want to end in a C-section, we gotta push and we gotta push fast because I have a feeling that his cord is wrapped around him. So I'm like, okay. I think I pushed like four or five times, like and he was out. But my husband said he like did this like roll thing like a ball of yarn and unwrapped him, but he like caught him with the other hand. And I'm like, whoa, this guy's a pro. But yeah, I think. That if it were not for that birth experience, I would not have been able to weather the whole next week of a NICU stay as well as I did. Definitely, like, was the birth that I needed, like, (laughs) for sure. Well, while I was pregnant with him, I was like, I'm never going to have any more kids. After that, I'm like, sure, I'll have another. And my husband's like, absolutely not. (laughs) We have too many kids.
0: So, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's amazing that you were able to have that experience. And, and yeah. The fact that you, the way that husband explained, the way he, you know, so, so like he definitely was a pro.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I'm definitely, every time I go into his office for like a visit, I just, he probably thinks I'm crazy, but probably not. Cause probably women are like this all the time, but I'm just like, thank you so much for everything. I'm so grateful to you. He's probably like, what in the world? But I'm Aww. like, that if the total like care and support and like that's absolutely what you need and I, I think if thinking back to like being 19 if my doctor would have you know educated me and talked me through and like don't think my first birth would have ended the way it did which kind of frustrates me because I know that in you know underserved communities this is happening every day <laughs> like absolutely yeah everywhere mm-hmm. all around the world every day and it's just it's so frustrating to me because I'm like I know that everyone is not a- I don't want to say able to be educated because education everywhere but like if you don't have the resources to find these things or like me I'm just like I just don't know where to look for them then you know this is what you're gonna the hand you're giving like
0: you, that's a great point and I, I want to put a pin right there so when you yeah. say that you don't know where to look for those things um are you talking now in the age of digital you don't know where to look or is it um that you don't like, trust okay. certain sites you know what I'm saying like what's no, the- so
1: I guess just okay like looking for like a VBAC supportive provider there's like no I guess like governing body over that whatever the c-section like thing is I know they had some information on their website but it's like not really comprehensive like it's like self-reported people can like oh this doctor did for me so there's like no like like you know if you need an OB doctor you just go on the internet and like type OB doctor and all of them come up But like there is no like database or, you know, anything, I I guess just like network of professionals that are like willing. I don't know if if it's even like a willingness to like, oh, I don't want to say that I do that because, you know, the what if factor because it's dangerous. I'm like combing internet, doing all these searches like and I literally like had to go to Facebook and like hi, if you've had a VBAC, please let me know so I can, you know, (laughs) like, so then it's just word of mouth, like, okay, this doctor does that hospital. might. I'm not really sure. I guess the information not being available, but also like thinking back to before it was VBAC, like for me, when I've had my first baby, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, you're having a baby. Great. They're not really like willing to, you know, talking you through it, educating you as a patient, and I think if I was presented with like all the options, like, okay, this could, cause I, like when you're having your first baby, you know, you're like, C-section's not an option for, like, that's not even in the, the, the top of your mind. You're like, okay, I'm gonna have this great delivery. No epidural, it's gonna come in 12 hours and we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna leave the hospital the next day, but nobody talks to you about, you know, just the things that you don't plan for.
0: Black mothers in the U.S. have a higher incidence of depression than white mothers. The Centers of Disease Control and Prevention reports that black mothers are nearly twice as likely to report symptoms of depression after childbirth than white mothers at 14% versus 8%. And so what this is saying to us is that black mothers specifically need more support, especially after giving birth. You know, on social media, I advocate a lot for not only showing the signs and the symptoms, um, especially with my own story, my own experience, but also bringing the awareness piece to what postpartum depression looks like and then what you should do to self care or take care of yourself as a mom, especially as a black woman, after you give birth. On our website, if you go to bit.ly slash VWR for mom. So whether you've been clinically diagnosed with depression or maybe even self diagnosed with depression, meaning you've gone out and found a self screening tool and you screen yourself and you've uh, ranked very high on the point system for either postpartum depression or anxiety, understanding that it doesn't just stop there, right? Afterwards, there are things that you can do to feel better and know that there is the other side of the heel, right? I hate to say the rainbow because it feels so cliche but there's there is the 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 happiness right the joy that you once felt it is there and you can actually go and find it so i wanted to provide you guys with a couple of different tips some stats and also our website if you need additional help go ahead and visit our website for more let's get back into this episode
1: I remember back to when I was pregnant with my first baby, I actually made a birth plan and the nurses laughed at me. Legit, they laughed at me. I was like, this is my birth plan. And they were like, what's that for? Like, I was like, I like, did it, like it went back. In so how bag. did
0: you know you even needed a birth plan? Let's, let's start there. How did so cause you're 19, right?
1: I was 19. I just yeah. was doing internet searches. Like- Got it. Okay. <laughs>
0: Okay. And you just came across something and was like, oh, you should Uh, get your birth plan.
1: Okay. I think that was when Pinterest was like first really getting started. So I'm like on here searching all about birth and you know, all this stuff. Uh, there was a sample birth plan in one of my, I think I like took a hospital tour or something and they gave me like a packet of just general information about the hospital. There was a sample birth plan in there and I'm pretty sure I don't know. That's almost 10 years ago, but, uh, I'm pretty sure that, or like, I think I just wrote into the one they gave me. I like brought it with me and they just like, yeah, they just scoffed at me and like, what do you need that for? Like, so <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that is was just, uh, I'm so sorry very, you experienced no, that. Very
1: frustrating. Well, I also couldn't find a doula in the area. <laughs> so I that, was
0: just I'm about like, to say, did you know about doula's? Was that something? Not you when I was at?
1: younger. Um this time I knew that most people have the birthing experiences they kind of, you know, expect when they have advocates. So this time I was looking for one. We decided I actually ended up uh finding out one of my very good friends, her godmom is a doula in the area. But with COVID, they weren't allowing any extra people in the room. So it was just my husband and me. So I decided not to go that route. I was telling him like when I was pregnant, like I can't find these resources that makes me want to do that. So I think somewhere in my future, I probably will do some birth work maybe when my kids are a little older. Um, But I I just, I, I said, I told him if I do end up going that path. I want to be able to serve like underserved populations. I want to, I want to do free work for teen girls. Like just be able to be that advocate that I didn't have. Oh, I just got chills.
0: <laughs> that well, that just, that's ugh. kind of why we're here. Right. Yeah, um, I find absolutely. that this is a way for me to do that work without physically being there because I yeah. can't physically be there. Right. And even with the way that I'm set up, I got six kids, right. There's always somebody needing <laughs> yeah. something from me and and money and all those other things. Right. But it's like, if I could just put together the information to your point earlier, I, I've been on a couple of different boards with a couple of organizations. And, and even with the organization, I actually just got an email earlier from an organization that was like, Oh, we're, we're going to go with a different dra- route of, of having experts speak, uh, something else it's like okay so basically what you're saying is that you don't you want to keep doing the same thing you've always been doing right
1: <laughs> you don't want to hear from the people How exactly you don't want to hear <laughs> you just like, don't what they so... keep teaching them in medical school oh okay. it's so yeah you
0: just you guys want to keep regurgitating exactly what you already heard what you're already doing and we keep telling you you're doing it wrong you're not yeah. helping you're not helping you're not helping but it, it makes sense though I was like huh Makes sense (laughs) you know okay they're doing (laughs) doing exactly what they've been doing continue on then right but this is my way of fighting against that because it's like if you think that what you've been doing is going to continue to work because you've been doing it and just but that's what they do so anyway yeah I say all of that to say it takes people like us right as (laughs) advocates as people that have been there have lived experience for us to speak up and to do
1: what Absolutely. it is that we can do
0: that we can do right now, until we can physically go out there and meet people where they are. But just yeah. you having your social media and doing what you're doing. So I want you to talk a little bit about that, uh, and that's a great segue into the way that you're already helping. Right? You're saying that you you know you're already in birth work. This is birth work.
1: Yeah, I've been working on my like personal brand and kind of just finding my like ideal person that I'm like trying to reach with my you know my content. And I think I've kind of settled on like motherhood kind of being my focus. Just like relearning who you are as a person after you have kids and after you have several kids.
0: Do we need to have that conversation? (laughs) Like you totally transform from this woman to
1: this mother. And
0: it's like, well, wait a minute, who am I again? What am I
1: doing? And I always tell people that like, when when I had my first- kid you know he he was my he's my little roll dog for so long because you know it's just me and him I'd up and like oh, my friends uh an hour away want me to come visit throw him in the car let's go like and it was like this like shock to me that like it took more than 10 minutes to get out of the house after I had my second baby like I'm like okay but at that point like you know my oldest one he's functioning he can put his shoes on he can walk himself out to the car I just have to carry the car seat Now, when you have two and then two under two, oh man, I'm like, I don't ever want to leave the house, which is terrible. You need to go be a human, but like that requires, you know, 12 hours of work before you even leave the house. So but like
0: what you said earlier, right. Which I'm going to put this idea out here and target. If you do this, then I need my cut. Target needs to create a separate room where there's just for, I know they used to have like breastfeeding rooms, but they need to just have mom relax rooms where you yes. just go and like they just charge $10 admission or whatever, and you just go sit there, even if you just sit in like those massage chairs, and it's inside the Target, because that's where we go yes. for refuge, It is. Yes. it is doing things, and that's not really refuge, that's not really taking self that's not really self-care right yeah me. yeah that's the way we try to sneak it in right sitting in the car for a minute and just kind of like, like <laughs> you know oof. listen to some music
1: I'm on just blast not gonna whatever. go inside I don't want to yeah, wake exactly. anybody up
0: <laughs> but that's really not it, it's a way yeah. that we kind of tell ourselves that it is but man they would make so much more money if they just tapped oh, into that whole market seriously t- target to, to as a if giveaway i find experience. out
1: they're doing this i'm calling you yes yeah, <laughs> so i'm gonna be
0: like my lawyers will be on the <laughs> that speed yes, i property. love it so.
1: i um i think that too it's hard for me to like when i'm like okay i need to go have like time to myself and i'm like okay well what am i gonna do where am i gonna go like because you, you don't exist outside of like going motherhood. To the grocery store and go to or work, just, and, just you know and that's
0: still motherhood, right? That's still motherhood. Yeah, yeah, that's still so, doing the thing.
1: So yeah, like it's really okay. It's true. You slow down, you are not gonna go grocery shop, you're gonna go get coffee and you're gonna sit and enjoy oh. the coffee and you're gonna try to not worry about what the heck is happening at home, whether the floor is gonna be or what or you gotta disaster. clean up when you get back. Exactly. <laughs> I always my husband and I have this running joke that like we clean up the living room at like nine o'clock and by 9 p.m 9 a.m and by 9 p.m it's like world war three happened in here (laughs) like I'm sure we're not the only people that experienced this but we're just like he'll be like didn't you clean up this morning yes I did I vacuumed and everything okay and they're like, I all promise over the
0: you. Board. I did.
1: I promise
0: you. Yeah. It's a, that's a whole nother podcast episode <laughs> yeah.
1: itself. Seriously.
0: This- <laughs> Uh, How do you relax? How do you find time to relax? How do you find the things that help you relax? I mean, I put together a self-care journal. Someone told me not to call it a workbook. So it's a journal. So I put together (laughs) a journal and they were like, cause that means work. And we don't want to, I was like, yeah, you're right. We don't want to Okay. Yeah. It makes
1: sense. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Journal sounds so much better. Um, But I put that together for that reason, right? It's about being intentional about taking 10. So we actually, and we'll talk a little bit about this offline, because I definitely want to invite you Uh, for Black Maternal Health Week. We're putting together a whole thing around just taking 10, taking 10 minutes every day to take, to talk to just be with yourself. Um, I created a whole website with like, you know, YouTube videos and music and like different things that you can just activate your five senses in because we need those spaces and we need to create those spaces if we can't physically have them. Right. Right. Uh, Maybe it is in the car and you're in the car and you're listening, you pull up your phone, pull out your phone and you listen to a meditation or something. Right. So we need to, find out ways to create those spaces. A study published in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology found that Black women are more likely to have maternal mental health issues than other ethnicities. In fact, Black women experience maternal mental health issues at a rate of one and a half times more than others. This is a really great stat. And, you know, this particular uh, publication highlights the issues that Black women face and their experiences in the United States and how those experiences contribute to uh, the higher rates and incidents of maternal mental health issues. Um, So definitely go and check out that particular journal. We'll link to it in the show notes here in this podcast. Talk a little bit about your journey through postpartum depression and anxiety. When did you realize that something was going on and they had that indication? I know you said that you've dealt with it throughout your whole life, but Mm -hmm. how did it kind of spark after the birth of your son?
1: I noticed myself becoming just like quicker to like more snappy. My husband and I were, we were in a very just like weird transitional stage, you know, new baby, him starting a business, COVID, all the things. When I was like nursing the baby, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go lay down and feed him. And then just like kind of lay down and like, just lay there and like nap ish, you know, that was my safe space. So that that's where I went. And I would just stay there for way longer than I needed to. Things were piling up. The clothes aren't getting washed. The dishes aren't getting done. I don't want to cook dinner. Just like things that like we should be able to handle and you know we're being able to handle before but like these things are becoming like super challenging and you know what's in your mind becomes physical and then your house is chaos and your kids are fighting you're arguing with your spouse and just like all the things and you're like okay well this is motherhood no that's not motherhood that's very unhealthy and you need to like, you know, step outside of that.
0: That's a very yeah, common and, theme though, for people to yeah. say, this is just what motherhood looks like. It is not what motherhood looks like. So yeah. thank you so much for saying that.
1: Absolutely. And um, I, I guess it took me going to the hospital to realize like, hey, you, you need to take time for yourself. If you are overwhelmed, you need to ask for help, which is like as women, as mothers, just ingrained, like you can do it. So you don't need to like, don't bother anyone else with that because this is your job. Yeah, I just what you know, like wouldn't ask.
0: And let, let's anyone. just say this: it's your job, yes, right? You did kind of sign up for it with that little good time that you had, but at the same token, you just had a human being exactly <laughs> that you came out yeah. of you. <laughs> so yeah. allow yourself to allow someone to help you with Absolutely. the fact that your body just gave birth to a whole human. And created a whole human yeah. not only gave birth to right because right. that kind of that limits the fact that you actually created it right. fed it <laughs> and now it has truth. to come home with you <laughs> now it has to come home with you and you, you know so that's a huge huge yeah. deal and I don't think a lot of people make it as huge of a deal as they should absolutely a huge deal so absolutely. you deserve if anybody yeah. deserves anybody on this earth deserves, <laughs> you deserve to
1: have, something yeah, that helps you. So when I went to the hospital too, they, they kind of like, they were like, listen, I mean, and it was, it was great because, um, it's just, you know, a team of nurses who are moms who understand who just, you know, they're like, we get where you're coming from. It is, you are not alone in feeling like this, but you need to step back. You need to um, kind of like get your mind in order because if you're not worrying about yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else. And I think that's, that, that's my biggest takeaway from, from this whole experience is that I, I cannot stretch myself thin and expect to have more to give to my family. So I need to take care of mama first and then everybody else. It, look as long as my friend told me the other day we were on the phone she said nobody's crying dying or bleeding so that'd be all right <laughs> so i'm like okay maybe i need to subscribe to
0: this a little bit more yeah like you said earlier about the house being i was like yeah i don't know <laughs> nowadays i'm just like especially with like covid and stuff i'm like and my husband is a complete opposite of me so you know he has his reserves but i let him know i said honey I am happy that you care about those things. I just don't. So, <laughs> so
1: <laughs> you <know>? sorry. No. <laughs> sorry.
0: Just not. I'm not going to allow that to interrupt yeah. my day. I just I can't. So yeah, I love the I love the fact that she told you that because it's absolutely. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, if there's one thing you can do for your kids is to take care of yourself because they need to see you do that. Absolutely. Cuz we yeah. don't want that to continue to happen with our children, right? So Yeah. Absolutely. Huge important point. That's a huge important point. So tell me a little bit about your social, (laughs) plug where your social is. And so I am.
1: Yeah, I want to hear about all
0: of that good stuff. You're so funny, by the way. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because I'm always like, I'm not funny at all.
0: Over 80% of women experience postpartum mental illness. Postpartum depression is thought to affect as many as one in five women, representing the most common complication of childbirth.
1: Yeah. So I am on social. I am, I have a YouTube channel. that's pretty much dormant. Honestly, I don't even know what my name is on there at this point, but I am on Instagram at Mrs. Keisha Jackson, M-R-S-K-A-E-S-H-A-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. So it's my whole name. Yeah. And I, I mainly post about just life and motherhood and figuring out myself and mm-hmm. my kids. Cause those posts get lots of likes. Apparently people think my kids are cute. <laughs> Great. So um, how
0: has digital, and this will be one of my two last questions. How has digital helped you in either your healing space or either in just everyday life? Has it, do you feel like it's helped you do anything or?
1: Absolutely. So, um, in my, uh, company that I just joined, there is a beautiful, beautiful community of women, actually all men and women, but a lot of moms. So, I've been able to kind of, you know, lead on them when I, I'm just, you know, feeling down or, you know, whatever, just being able to like relate and, you know, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I felt that way too. And you're not alone. So that I've made some great, great friends on Instagram, which is like wild to me. I have a friend who she has a daughter. We, we actually went to high school together. We didn't make friends on Instagram, but she has a daughter who um, is like a brand rep for a lot of. Um, like cute clothes, clothes brands and stuff. And she was telling me, she's like, I've met so many good friends on Instagram. And I'm like, You're crazy. Like, you are not meeting people on Instagram. And it's like meeting started, people on the internet, isn't that like, dangerous? <laughs> like, you're talking, yeah, they're my best friends. We talk every day. I'm like, <laughs> but uh, when I started posting more while I was still pregnant. I I don't even know how I found a couple people that I like talk to regularly. Now they just started following me and like watching my stories and, you know, then they became invested and I was in, you know, the hospital for nine days with him. And they're like, Oh, like checking in on me, making sure we're okay. And like, I'm still talking to them today. So I'm like, okay, it's real. You can make friends on the internet. Everybody on the internet is not a weirdo. (laughs)
0: So, <laughs> I tell this to people all the time. No one listens to me, but you know, <laughs>
1: I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> as outgoing and like fun and bubbly as I am, I have a lot of social anxiety. So, like, going out and meeting people, it makes me want to vomit. So, like, it's a lot easier for me, obviously, to, you know, send the message and I guess not worry about the judgment or, you know, whatever. Whatever the conflict is. But so I, I guess it's a lot easier for me. I always joke with my friends like, how do you even make friends in person? Like, do you just walk up to another mom in Target, like, hi, you have kids? Okay, let's be friends. Like, how do you even, I, I, I don't even remember. like. So the- I'll give you a little
0: tip because. <laughs> I used to struggle with that a lot as well. And that we had moved to a different like suburban area from where I grew mm-hmm. up and all that good stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I need to make some friends here because I just feel very isolated. And I can only talk to my husband about things for so long, right? Uh, yeah, he's just not a woman. I went and I took the kids on play dates. And whenever I would see, especially a black because we live in a the suburban there. So I was like, oh, hi! You know, so I mean, I think that that's truthfully, it's, it's the same way you do it on social media. You absolutely do. You just go, "Hey," and give a compliment. I love your shoes, or I like your, you know, how old's your kid? How old's your baby? You know, that kind of a thing. Right. The same thing that I tell my clients to network and and connect with people on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever is the same thing we do in person. It is the same exact way, right? I'm you go, you check them out, see if they're cool.
1: Get out of my like. You know, shell, Um, especially with like my business now, because. You know you can only talk to so many people on social media that you know leave your messages on red and stuff but whatever um well the
0: thing is with with your business and we're getting into a little bit of the but i'm okay we'll we'll do that we're getting into some digital stuff i I do that on the (laughs) other podcast but it's all good i'll tell moms that are listening that are entrepreneurs right so the thing is with that is you just create content that speaks directly to them which solves the problem of your thing so if your thing is jewelry how do you talk about the jewelry that solves the problem for people that need jewelry, right? Or love jewelry and, yeah. you know, earrings, necklaces, all that good stuff, which us moms love it. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm wearing this and you make fun of it. And then people go and check out your bio. The thing about it is, is using psychology. So if you really want to get good at marketing, you need to understand human beings and human mm. behavior. People will click on your link if they think you are funny amusing or they can't stand you and they want to just find out where to go contact you where to send messages right but people will just organically go there and click on it when you can give them something of value so either you're educating them you're making it entertaining or you're informing them about something so as long as your posts have those elements in it in some way cool. shape or form they will click on your the link in your bio you just need to make sure that it ties into the link that's in your bio if
1: it okay. didn't tie
0: into your link in your bio then gonna be like okay
1: what is this right One of the girls I follow on social media, she, uh, she's also in direct sales, but she um, just really posts about like social selling and, you know, bargaining tips and all that stuff. She said, if somebody goes to your Instagram and you're not bossing them around, like telling them what to do and where to go, they're, you're not going to catch their attention. You're not. So I'm like, okay, how do I, (laughs) how do I get to my page and be like, hi, you're here. This is why you're here. You need to do this. So. I guess that's, that's, that's even that statement. is
0: <laughs> even that is subjective though because there's a way you can do that and they still be you right yeah. so maybe it's not bossy but it's fun right yeah you know it's like it, that little piece of ending your video with, hey by the way make sure you click the leave my bio you know so it,
1: oh yeah good you point. see what i'm saying i don't so know. I, I don't know why i don't put that i know i always <laughs> watch like the when you're swiping you watch the videos, follow for more videos. Like, I
0: don't ever put that in but You have to. So that's what oh. she means when she says that you need to tell them what to do. That's what she means. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, hey, you, you do this. You know, that might be her style and that works for her, but whatever works for you, you just yeah. need to make sure that, that, that you are, in fact, telling them what to do though. So hope that was helpful. You guys listening, I hope that was <laughs> <laughs> helpful <laughs> into it. What do you think should happen? What should be the thing that needs to happen right now in order to help women that are like you, like me, what do you think needs to happen for,
1: I think, um, we need to meet people where they are, obviously social media is a beautiful tool. So utilizing that, um, being able to speak to that ideal client, that ideal person, um, is, is a, going to be a huge part of it? Um, and talk like, Hey, you're here and you're not alone. You know what I mean? So, um, being, and just getting that more people getting that message out and it being like, not your typical, you know, suburban mom talking about her pregnancy experiences. It has to be people who look like us. Like I can sympathize with you as a mother, but as a black woman, you don't, really understand my experience so we have to just as women of color we need to put the information out there and you know make sure that we are getting in front of you know or trying to get in front of the people who we're speaking to and yeah just using the the channels that we social media and instagram and youtube (laughs) to spread the message (laughs)
0: You know, I've been toying around with this idea of doing an episode in this series around how many times has your lights been cut off when you were a child? Because, you know, as I talked to my husband, my husband's friends, my fr- like we've all had the experience of yeah. having to have candles, right? <laughs> because our yeah. lights got cut off. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> like and yeah. some people don't even like, we live in an area where it's great because it's, it's we're actually like the RV capital of the world. So, we had like jobs are great. They never went away here, but there's a very different like quality of people. I guess there's like it, it's very um the hood, you know. Um and then there's like some decentish areas, but like the other side of the river is like lots of million dollar homes and like we actually had like the most millionaires per capita at some point like and we're tiny we're like 80,000 people like we're it's not we're not a big city so um it, it's like there's n- not a lot for me I guess and and my husband and I we're, we're a little bit of like the black sheep of our families because we're not much like anyone else so I think in a bigger city this wouldn't be an issue but like here there's like you said like you 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 go to the park and you don't see any other black moms and you're like "Ah, like who am I gonna make and I'm not that I'm saying I don't want my friends my kids to be friends with you know other races and ethnicities but like being able to sympathize with and and see you know yourself and other people I believe is is a profound profound just experience to to be able to like be kindred with someone else who looks like you, you know? So, yeah. I probably got off topic a
0: little bit, but... No, no, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing absolutely. speaking with you. Um, Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
1: So you guys, <laughs> make
0: sure you go ahead and connect with Keisha. She has an amazing, amazing Instagram profile. Um, she's going to be doing some big things. I'm pretty sure you're going gonna to see her because this story and just this episode has been fire. So you guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you tell others to come and subscribe. And feel free to DM me at the Maternal Health Speaker for more information about how you too can uh, get on the Maternal Health Report and share your story if you have a story to share, or if you need uh, more guidance and support on getting in front of moms and speaking to moms directly, because I definitely want to champion that and advocate, especially after this episode. <laughs> <laughs>